V1 Church, I, I need your help because we've got a lot of people watching online right now. We have a record number of attendees here in our 9 a.m. service. This just broke a record for the highest attendance we've had since coming back. And can we welcome everybody watching live online right now? Come on, if you're watching online, go ahead and hit that share button into every Facebook group. Just annoy every YMCA mommy group, every single group you're a part of, your volleyball group. Just share it in there and just offend them all the way to heaven. I don't like you sharing that in there. Well, you can be that person. You're saying, my pastor told me. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that thumbs up. Um, we're going to look at Psalm chapter one. Now, for those of you who are visiting, I want to welcome all of our guests. My name is Mike Signorelli, and I'm the lead pastor here at V1 Church, and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. And as of last week, we became a national church. Ah! Y'all, I cannot tell you how incredible it was to see the faces of people as they walked in, and then after service was over, I met a family. Now, this is crazy what I'm about to tell you. I met a family who actually said, Pastor Mike, our church closed their doors during the pandemic, and we physically didn't even have a church to go back to, and we were the kids' ministry leaders. Think about this. And then they looked at me, and the husband got choked up, and he said, but we're home now. And I said, yes, not only that, but you'll be serving in kids next week. <laughs> All the dream team members clapped and everybody who's new is like, that's mean. <laughs> but God healed and delivered so many people. Can I tell you one more testimony before we jump into the sermon? Okay, so this was incredible. There is a woman who is seeking deliverance from demons as well as physical healing in her body. She is wheelchair bound. She had traveled all over the United States and had some of the most prolific ministries in, in the United States pray for her to both receive deliverance as well as a healing. Neither happened. She heard about this guy named Mike Signorelli coming to Indiana, and uh, this was when we did the mass deliverance. Her, she brought her mother, who is wheelchair-bound, that needed this deliverance and healing to this service. I didn't think anything of it, but I had come off the stage. Have you guys ever been to the ocean, and the ocean does that? It draws back. And, and all, it like kind of recedes and then the wave forms and it crashes over. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So when I came up off stage and I started walking towards her wheelchair, I felt like in the spirit realm, like the anointing and the power of God, like surging, like, like a wave. So very gently, I just walked over and I said, I break the power of Jezebel and I command the spirit to let her go. And this woman went from fully contorted physically in pain. I mean, it looked like arthritic almost, like she couldn't move her body. Her countenance changed. All the muscles in her body fully relaxed. And then I looked at her. I was shocked. I got chills even telling this story. I was completely shocked. And all of a sudden, I'm like, are, are you better? And the woman, tears start rolling down this woman's face. And she's like, I feel better. And she's saying it in a whisper. I feel better. I feel so much better. But th that's not even the end of the story. So then all of a sudden, last week, I'm in Indiana to launch weekly. That the mother, or the, the woman who had brought her mother came and she's like, Pastor Mike, I have to tell you this story. You already know that my mother experienced the healing and freedom from demons that night. But did you know that one week later she died? But here's what she said. My mother spent over 20 years in pain, but she got one last week without any pain and total freedom. And then literally all of a sudden, 
That's what she said. All of a sudden, her mom was like, I feel, this is what she said. The whole week, she kept saying, I feel amazing physically. I feel amazing. And then she said, I just feel like now I can go. Right before she died, she was fully lucid, the, the, the daughter said. And she said, she looked out into the, the hallway and she said, it's time. And, and the daughter said, what do you mean, mom? She said, Jesus is here. It's time to go. And then she died. So that woman came back out to tell me that story and said, we went all over the United States, received prayer from so many ministries, but there's something about what God's doing through V1 in this time. And she said, my mother had one week of, to of just almost like a victory lap. I kind of imagine it like a victory lap. Like, hey, now I can go because she didn't want to die defeated. She didn't want to die in pain. She didn't. But so God was magnified in that situation. And then that woman said, and by the way, I just joined the most anointed position in your church. And I said, well, what is it? Is it the preacher? She said, no, it's the front door greeter. <laughs> And she said, everybody who comes through the front door is going to get hit with the anointing now that I'm here. Isn't it amazing what's happening in Indiana? Okay, so I'm going to give you this message. It is the five ways that we're going to walk together as a church in this season. And this is going to be a message that probably is going to be pointed back to many times over the next year. This is the five ways that we're going to walk together as a church. Now, this is not one of the most thrilling messages I'll ever preach, but it is one of the most necessary. Because right now, man, I'm just gonna go for it. Can I go for it? Right now, you have a choice. Righteousness or unrighteousness. God's ways or your ways. You have a choice. And the world is choosing wrong all the time. And you see what it's doing to their life. You see where it's getting them. You know, divorce in the church is statistically just as high or higher outside of the church, which means it's possible to go to church and not choose God's ways. It's possible to hear the truth but not be doers of the truth. And so what I want to obligate you to is that we are going to become doers and church is essential. I don't care what they say. Church is essential and meeting together is essential. The apostle actually said, as the time of my coming draws near and near, get together more and more. And so more and more means that when you came into this place and you felt the presence of God and things begin to break off of you during worship, you are simply a recipient of God honoring you doing life his way. He wants you here not to fill a seat, but to build the kingdom, expand the kingdom. He wants you here to put pause on your life, to hear the word of God so that your stinking thinking can be re renewed. Anybody need a renewed mind? Because we lose in the battlefield of the mind so frequently. And so you've got to get to the house of God to come together to be refreshed. Did you know that over 600 people signed up for connect groups? What? Over 600 human beings. They say that typically only 30% of a church signs up for connect groups. You know why they signed up for connect groups? Because they said, we've got to come together. There's something about meeting together that changes everything in your life. Relationship is the conduit for all good things that God has for you. Relationship is the conduit for all good things that God has for you. You know, that's a problem when you've been wounded by relationship. That's a problem when you've been hurt by relationship because you'll try to get the thing God has for you without God's people and you'll never get it. 
Or worse yet, you'll get a counterfeit version of it that'll taste, smell, feel, and look like the real thing, but the end will be destruction. And so God will use the, the conduit of relationship to deliver all good things that he has for your life. And so guess what? In this room is the solution to the problems that you have right now. In this room is the strategy and the wisdom and the insight and the knowledge and the revelation. And God does such a mean thing. You want to hear what he does? He hides the keys to your future inside of people that you don't like, but he commands you to love. He, he hides your next level inside of a person that you don't even like. It doesn't look like you, not the same race, not the same age, but inside of them is, is your future. And so I want to give you, based off Psalm chapter one, the five ways that we walk together. You ready to walk with me? Come on, are you ready to walk with me? When I was in Israel, it was so incredible because I was with a uh, a three-star general, and he said something that blew my mind. He said, in the United States, your insignia and your rank is on, the, on your chest, but in, in the Israeli army, we wear it on the back of our helmet because if you can't see my rank and position while you're following me, I'm in the wrong spot. And so as your pastor, I'm going to get up ahead of you, and I'm going to face it all head on. I'm going to go first. Is anybody willing to follow me? I'm going to go first into culture and all the confusion that they have. I'm going to go first into all the tension we may feel. I'm going to go first into the demonic nest that, and strongholds of region. I'll go first, but I don't want to go last. Because the question of leadership is not how far you can go, but how many people can you take with you. And you've got a lot of churches speaking in tongues, greased up oily with the anointing oil. But they're just oily gossips. <laughs> <laughs> They're just, and they, and these 20, 30, 40 person churches that do more towards their preference than they do towards the power of God. And yet for our church, I want to go together. Does anybody want to go with me? So here's number one, the five ways that we're going to walk together. Number one, you can write this down in your notes. We're going to walk wisely. Psalm chapter one, verse one says, Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, okay? So here's the thing. How many of you want wisdom in your life? Okay, wisdom is in this room. Wisdom is represented through our global church. Wisdom is happening in Indiana. Wisdom through our care pastors. Wisdom through our connect group leaders. Wisdom through the dream team leaders. There's wisdom represented. And it says, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But I just want to tell you something. This is a very hard command. What I just said is very hard. You thought it was easy when I said it. You thought, well, okay, I get it. Listen to what the church says and not what, what my friends say. No, no, listen. The way of sinners is the popular way. So everybody's gonna agree with themselves and agree, agree with each other. So to not walk in the way of the wicked is very difficult because who gets to define wickedness? Are you following me? Who gets to define wickedness? Right now in the earth, people think that they have the ability to define wickedness. That's a problem. You know who defines wickedness? God. 
You know, you know how we define it? By properly interpreting the word of God through scripture. So guess what? You could live in a society, in a neighborhood, on your block, New York City, Long Island, Nassau and Suffolk County. You can go to school where there's an 1,100 person student population and you can believe something is wicked that everybody else says is not wicked. Do you think that everybody willfully went into Noah's flood? Or do you think that Noah was the only one who identified wickedness as what it really was? Sometimes you, you might be the only person who identifies wickedness. Right now, we have just as much wickedness running rampant in church leadership than we do outside of the church. And no ship ever sinks from the water around it, but rather the water that gets inside of it. And so we can be in the world, but not be of the world, which means you can float your boat in a whole bunch of sin and infestation of unrighteousness, but never drown because it never comes on the inside of this vessel, this, this, vest, this earthen vessel that's sealed by the Holy Spirit that convicts you. Here's the thing. The number one question I always get as a pastor is, Pastor Mike, is this sin? Is this sin? Is this sin? I'm like, are you making a, a menu of all the stuff you can do this week? Here's an, let me just tell you like this. If you have to ask, just treat it like it's a sin. We're going to walk wisely. And here's the thing. You can have a big bank account and business, but not walk wisely through that success. And that thing will bury you. You can have a huge ministry with a lot of people and it's growing. But how many of you know that cancer grows too? So not everything healthy grows. And all of a sudden you can, you, but you didn't walk wisely and because you didn't walk wisely, it buries you. How many of you know that God wants you to have his definition of success? Blessed. It says blessed. How many of you want to live hashtag blessed life? But is hashtag blessed life another Apple device? Or is that Jesus as the prize? Is hashtag blessed, you're fulfilling your purpose, you're in the call that he destined you, or you're living someone else's purpose that they gave you because you feel the pressure to be what they want you to be. So walk wisely. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Did you know that every time you scroll and you see a video by someone you follow, they're counseling you in their ways? Did you know that? Every YouTube channel you subscribe to is counseling you in their ways. You're learning their ways. And some of you have elevated these channels to all the same level of importance in your head. Every time you read a book, they're counseling you in their ways. Are they wicked? Because wickedness doesn't look wicked. Satan's too smart for that. Walk wisely. Walk wisely. I like, this is the best part about Psalm chapter one, verse one. It says, do not sit in the seat of mockers, but a better Hebrew translation is know-it-alls. Do you know any know-it-alls? Huh? Tag them in the broadcast right now. Let's get a list of them in case they sign up here to be used by God. I'll be like, you're going to be on the parking lot team, know-it-all. But it says, if you walk in the way of know-it-alls, listen, we don't want to be a know-it-all kind of people because many destinies have been canceled by pride. Pride says, I know it all. Humility says, I've learned a lot, but I want to learn more. And there's something about saying, I want to learn more. I want to ask questions. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I want to be a learn-it-all. And think about the disciples, flunkies, 
right out of yeshiva. They couldn't hack it in Hebrew Jewish society. They, they were clearly not rabbinical material. Otherwise, that's what they would have been. They, they were fishermen because that's all their mind could do. But there's something about humility in God that were supernaturally take your mind to places it never could go before. God will unlock your mind, but the keyhole is shaped like humility. Here you go, slow clap it in, somebody back there. God, because God, God can take a fool and make him wise, but the keyhole is in the shape of getting down on your knees, getting down on your face and saying, Lord, I don't know anything about ministry. The worst thing that could ever happen to me as your pastor is that I become an expert in ministry. Humility, humility. How many of you want to walk wisely with me this fall? What if I post something you don't agree with? What if somebody says something you don't like? Can we walk together wisely, wisely? Some of you have been yelling for years and years and you've never won an argument by yelling and you're just realizing that right now. You've never gotten a favorable result. Your wife's never said, wow, he yelled. You're right. You know, yesterday I was in I was, I was, this is all just verse one. See how much revelation there is in Psalm? I was in the post office yesterday in Ridgewood and I get a package slip for our P.O. box and I went to go give that slip so I could get my mail and the employees in the back were yelling at each other so loud. I was looking through there and then I saw the manager, the guy who runs the whole thing because I'm friends with him and I said, hey, do I need to come back there and help you restrain? It looks like they're about to fist fight and he looked back and he said, oh no, no, this is just Queens. <laughs> I was like, it's toxic. You're right. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's why the Lord sent me here because I don't see any of the fruits of the Spirit happening back there. So if you guys need pastoral counsel, I'd love to go back there and lay my hands on somebody. But we want to walk wisely. It's like we've been yelling for years and it's never worked. The ways that we walk in don't work. The ways that we walk in don't bring fruit. The ways that we walk in haven't brought the things into our life that we desire and believe are from God. And so why do we keep doing them on repeat? Pride. Number two, you ready? To walk with me, to walk with V1 is to walk passionately. Passionately. Psalm chapter one, verse two says, but his delight, somebody say delight. It's another way of saying passion is in the ways of the Lord and on his ways he meditates. It's like he's thinking about the ways. She's thinking about the ways of the Lord. They're passionate about it. I can't stop thinking about the ways of God, his sacred paths. I'm communing with him. I'm talking with him. I hear the Holy Spirit as a 24-7 dialogue in my mind. It's like I'm always talking to him. He's always talking to me. I'm taking risks in his presence. I'm taking risks to speak to people. You know, I I was at the I was at the store I was at the mall in Indiana and uh, we were at the the sunglass hut and all of a sudden I walked into that place and I saw this guy as soon as he opened his mouth the Holy Spirit quickened me and said that guy is going to become a oh man I'm getting emotional even trying to say it this he's going to become a son of the house and he's going to go to V1 Indiana and you are going to pastor him and unlock his destiny and this dude was just working at a sunglass hut but see the sunglass hut 
becomes the most thrilling experience of my life when I'm on mission because I'm walking passionately. And I'm saying, God, could it be that? And, I, and he said, well, I said, God, could it be that you would save him in a sunglass hut? Could his story be that he tells his grandchildren that Mike Signorelli encountered me in a mall one day, but he unashamedly told me about Jesus. And that's why we serve the Lord in this house. Could it be? That's passion. And you know, I'm going to tell all the entrepreneurs here, they say in business, you cannot pay for passion because passion does not have a price tag. Passion is not generated by a paycheck. If someone says, I'm not passionate about my job, um, then you don't understand passion. Passion is not, you can't put a price tag on a passion. Passion is what you do when someone doesn't pay you to do it. And so when I'm, listen, you can't pay me to be your pastor because I'm passionate about pastoring people. Do y'all hear me? We're gonna walk passionately. I begin to talk to that guy, and um, you know, we were just striking up a conversation, and then it was just funny because he was like, well, "What do you do?" And I was like, "And I'm, that question is my favorite question because I just choose different a different aspect of what I do every time." I said, "I'm an exorcist." <laughs> he was like, "That is so cool," and I was like, "I'm gonna use that instead of pastor more frequently." I say, you want to watch me do it? Go to my Instagram. And he pulled up my Instagram. He's like, no way, man. (laughs) Walk passionately. Walk passionately. I can't tell you how many people have seen me walk passionately after the Lord and that sparked a passion in them. You know what's more contagious than COVID? Passion and zeal for God and God's house. Zeal for the Lord passionate about him. I love him. But see, if I mean, you guys are New Yorkers. It's illegal to start fires in your yards. But where I'm from, we have bonfires, they call them, where you can actually make your own fire in your own yard. It's a freedom that we have in God's country called the Midwest. And my wife and I, for years and years, our ritual through every season would be that I would make a fire in our backyard and we would sit around and we would make out and do all kinds of stuff to disgust Bella. So Bella would come and see us making out and just go back inside and gotta go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing about a fire, <laughs> it's use this, parents. You want your kids to leave you alone? Just start making out with your spouse. They'll be so disgusted, they'll run. Like, I got to go to my room and close the door and be real quiet because this is gross. But here's the thing. The thing about fire is what it takes to start a fire is different than what it takes to maintain one. What it takes to start a fire, you can start a fire on Sunday and you could be dry as a bone and go to hell by Wednesday. I mean, you could start a fire on Sunday. You can start a fire at a conference. You can start a fire, but then it goes out. And so that's why Paul said, fan into a flame. You've got to fan that flame. You are responsible for your own passion. The pastor is not responsible for your passion. The, you are responsible for your own passion. You can have the culture of a conference in your prayer closet. You can have the culture of the kingdom. You can bring heaven down in your living room and you'll forget you're poor because the riches and glory of God will descend into a place. And you'll say, man, I just went on a vacation. And so many of us are trying to get away, but we need to get in. We need to get in. Can I convict you in love? You are powerless because you're prayerless. Try praying. Wave at me if you can talk, if you're not mute. If someone's mute, you'll get a healing. I'll take your excuse away. Everybody waving can talk. Therefore, you can pray. 
Don't pray perfect prayers. Make them perfectly authentic. Perfectly you. Somebody say walk passionately. Walk passionately. Okay, number three, and this is gonna hit everybody in the room and everybody watching online. We are gonna walk consistently. Some of you do the right things too few times. This was my story of failure. In my 20s, in ministry and in marriage, I did the right things too few times. I would argue that doing the right things too few times is worse than doing the wrong things over and over again. Because when you do the right thing, you get a little result. But then when you do it too few times, you don't get the, the, the ultimate result. So what actually ends up happening is now you become self-defeating because you, you've tasted a little bit of greatness. You've tasted a little bit of your destiny. You've tasted a little bit. You know, I would say of all the gifting that I have, because I don't have a lot, but I've got a little, diligence is my key marker. Diligence is what you see me operate primarily most in. I am a bulldog. Once I grab onto something, I do not let go for better or for worse. I treated alcohol like that and my calling. Diligence, diligence, diligence is saying I'm going to be consistent now. But, but okay, can I take it another layer deeper? Psalm chapter one, verse three. Look, we're only three verses in. Isn't this good? That person is like a tree planted. Somebody say planted. planted. Here's your problem. You're not planted. Your problem is you're not planted because there's a consistency that can only be fixed by you. But then, okay, are you guys following me? Because I'm going deep. I need all my leaders to hear this too. But there's another facet to consistency that can only be solved by others. This is a mystery. Consistency has two components. One is, the, is what you can change and one is what you will need others to pick you up and carry you through a season to make you consistent. You will never be consistent alone. You will only ever be half as consistent as you are supposed to be. Because there are times where you will not have strength, you will not have ability, you will not have, you, you will need somebody to come alongside of you, pick you up on their shoulders and carry you through that season. And then when you look back, everybody else will tell you that you were consistent, but you will know that someone else was consistent for you. And that's why church is essential. Because sometimes you'll lose vision for your marriage, but I'll keep your marriage consistent because I have the vision for you. Sometimes you will lose vision for your business and your destiny, but I'll keep your business consistent because I have vision for it when you lost it. Oh, I wish somebody heard me getting ready to preach. It's when somebody else in the body of Christ comes together and joins them. It's literally carry the cross for Jesus and then Jesus will finish his ministry. Even Jesus' consistency was hidden in a man that he had not yet met in the flesh that had to come and pick up the cross and carry it for him. So if Jesus needed help carrying his cross to be consistent, why are you not letting somebody carry it for you? Oh, this is good preaching. Come on, pastors, you will not be consistent without allowing somebody else to carry your cross. Come on, dream team leaders, you will not be consistent. So there is, the person is like a tree planted. Somebody shout planted. Planted by streams of water, 
Not so the wicked, they're like chaff that blows away. Not so the wicked, they're obsessed with traveling everywhere except for a deeper level with Christ. Not like the wicked, not like the wicked, they're chaff, they change their mind every day. Not like the wicked, they make plans and never see them through. Not like the wicked, they're inconsistent. See, inconsistency is the problem, but God wants to solve it with your brothers and sisters here in the room and solve it with him doing a work inside of you. Can I give you the last two? Number four, you are going to walk productively. Oh, this is a prophecy. I wish the band would come help me out for this one. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you a formula. These five, these five ways that we're gonna walk together are a formula. If you add up the first three, on the other side of the equation is you get the last two. So here's the last two. Number four, walk productively. The person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whose leaf does not wither. How many of you have ever felt like you go up and down, up and down, win, loss, win, loss, good year, bad year, good year, bad year. Oh, here's one for me, physically fit, and then dad bod Mike that Julie just keeps on loving. Every version of me, she's like, boo, every ver whether you expand or contract, I'm loving every, every version of that dad bod, you're Leonardo DiCaprio one season and you're Brad Pitt the other. <laughs> Does somebody know what I'm talking about? but we feel unproductive. The greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's the death of purpose. Because you'd rather live three years in your destiny like Jesus and only 33 total than 100 years, but not one day in what God designed you for. But the only way you'll become productive is if you come into this spiritual family called V1 Church or whatever church that you find and you walk with the wise and someone calls you out for your foolishness and then you receive it and say, man, they must love me more than the person that never had the courage to call it out. And then you must become passionate and you say, what killed my passion? Because all children have a default mode of passion. Children are born that way. The trick is remaining that way or going back to the place of passion where you believed, where you had an imagination, where things were possible before you were broken, before you were let down, before your expectations were destroyed. Passionately. But passion is your problem. It's the thing you've got to go back to and kindle it. Guys, and I've talked about this over the summer, but I, I bought a hockey stick <laughs> because I used to be passionate about hockey and punching people in the face during hockey. Praise God for that guy in the back. Security, watch him. But I lost my passion and I, you know, and I was like, I, I'm getting rollerblades and hockey sticks and then I'm in my, then all of a sudden, after the hockey stick came, I'm, I'm, I'm in my living room and then Bella, she takes the broom out unexpectedly, my 14 year old, and she starts pushing the ball around. And then I find myself, I got my hockey stick. Now we're running through, back and forth over our apartment. And we got this hockey stick and we're, I'm scoring these goals and we're laughing and then Everly goes and she, and before I know it, we're so enraptured in this playful moment that I was like, oh, my passion's back. 
I rekindled a part of me that didn't have to die. I just believed the lie that adults only do certain things. I've been on a search. Julie, last night when we were driving around in the car, was like, here's all these songs I found on TikTok. Let's listen to the whole thing and see if we like them because we're getting older and we, we lost our passion for music. When I met my wife, we used to play together. I would play guitar and sing and she would sing and I had a big mohawk, believe it or not. And we would tour and we would go play shows and we would play in all these venues and we were passionate about music and some seasons I was the worship leader and sometimes she was. So this is how we learned mutual submission. And, and we lost it, so we've been on this search. What songs are we into? And there's something about the wisdom passion and then consistency that when that happens and your roots go down and you stop looking for a better church and you start trying to get better at being the church you stop looking for better leaders and you start trying to become a better leader you, you stop looking out and you start looking in and saying God what are you doing in me you started something that you said you will be faithful to complete it and so God have your work in me I, work on me God I'm allowing you and, and we're cultivating the soil of our souls for this next season in our family and it looks like me playing hockey with my kids in, in, in my apartment it looks like my wife and I listening to cringy TikTok songs uh, by Gen Z's and we're turning over the soil of our soul and some of you have this, this hardened, stagnant soil, but when you break through and break up the follow ground and your roots go down and you become consistent, number four is you walk productively. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. I, I want years from now somebody to show up to Queens and look at my life in Queens and say, wow, look at this, look at this tree. This environment is so hostile, so unforgiving, but his roots have gone down so deep that many people have begun to eat the fruit off of the consistency and the passion of his life. That's my goal. I, I want to be like my mother raised us on this book, a, a, a Tree Grows in Brooklyn. We used to read that book growing up, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And at the end of the book, there's basically this, this tree that grew up among the sidewalks. And, it, and it's an impossibility. See, for you, life is hard. Your family life is hard. New York is hard. Where you live is hard. But you have to be the tree that comes up among the sidewalks and grows in the cracks. Sometimes you gotta live like a weed long enough to become a tree. You gotta live like a weed long enough to become a tree. Weeds, you chop them down and they keep growing back. They keep telling me no in New York and I keep growing back. They keep pushing back on what's possible for the local church and I keep growing back. They keep telling me that the Bible's not true, but I know every word of it to be true. I keep growing back. Another sermon series. You're not gonna rob my passion. You put me in the fire. You're gonna see a fourth person with me because I know that I know that I know I'm gonna act like a weed until I become a tree. You can chop me down. Out, but don't count me out. I'm going to do this thing. Is there anybody who wants to walk with me? And then number five, this is probably the most important part. And I want to define this. We're going to walk prosperously. Somebody shout amen if you believe it. 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and their leaf does not wither. This Hebrew word for prosper means to push forward, to break out. It, ah, it literally says, the biblical definition of prosperity is to push through. Do I've got anybody who will stand on their feet and push through in this season with me right now? Who say, I am going to prosper in this season. You're not going to hold me back. You're not going to deny me. And I will bear the fruit of the one who called me. I will push through. I will prosper in this season. I will prosper. Come on, lift your hands if you receive this word. I want to pray over you. When they show up to New York, they say, wow, what started with one tree has turned into a forest now. And all of their roots combine under the soil together. So you can bring any pandemic. You can bring any economic downturn. But they are connected. They are united. They are rooted together. And they are bearing fruit together. And so with every hand lifted, I want you to look around the room with the hands. I want you to see their hands. These are the branches that are getting ready to bear fruit. Come on, look around at the room at these lifted hands. Mothers are gonna start bearing fruit. Sons are gonna bear fruit. You're looking at branches that are not you. Listen, you may have been dry in the winter. Oh, but winter is only a season. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy, somebody shout joy joy comes in the morning. I see some buds coming off of you right now. I see you getting ready to bloom in this season. Is anybody ready to bloom with me? Father, right now, everybody that's listening under the sound of my voice, I release the anointing for breakthrough. Breakthrough now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And I thank you that we're going to walk together in this next season. And Jesus, we give you the glory and the honor for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, can someone shout amen amen come on let's lift up some worship